Welcome, everybody, to the Literal Fiction Book Club, where we read books so you don't have to. My name is Sam Johnson, and joining me today is... Alex. Chloe this time. And Troy. Today, we are discussing A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Uh, it is a book about an abusive It's a play. Pollock. It's a play. Or, yeah, it's a play. It's a play. And he's Polish-American. It's a play. I've been whiffing it a little bit. Yeah, he bit very, the, uh, very clearly states that he's Polish-American. Yeah. A you proud American. say Polak. No, it's, it's a joke from the book yeah i know read. yeah you get it if you're no i book. know i don't have to she saw the movie oh I've anyway seen the movie. so the point is it's about abusive an abusive polack some fallen southern aristocrats it was quite lovely vivian lay is um, a cunt tennessee williams is the author and he uh he's a he's a drunkard um and a very uh distasteful character with a nice mustache right there you're pointing to your mustache right? i was telling you to put your mouth to the mic oh sorry Sam, yeah. you gotta trim that mustache you yeah gotta he, scratch that mic up sorry does have a nice mustache that's a great addition yeah Wait, can i see his face he <laughs> remind me of uh is it um william tennessee ford the guy who does 16 tons tennessee ernie ford yeah something like that same yeah. mustache same mustache it, that's a look that's a look he's a look also very cool. Also, the best Two song cool ever guys. written. Yeah, yeah really. really. It's a great song. Wait, no, it that's empirically not true. Is. No, it might be true. Okay, so that song is Schindler's List, but Sleigh Ride is My Cousin Vinny. We decided that the two what? greatest pieces of cinema to have ever In this come order. out are My Cousin Vinny and Schindler's List. I haven't seen either. What? I've not seen In My, my Cousin In my home Vinny. and you haven't seen Schindler's List? No. Have you no respect? Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, if you'd like to leave your thoughts, responses, and tirades, you can leave a voicemail on the Book Nerds hotline. Uh, the number is one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. And to kick things off, we actually have our first voicemail from friend of the show. Can you like plug in the trap music, like um, bow, 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 air horn thing? <laughs> let's uh, let's hear what Chris has to say. Say to the pod. Well, hello, Literal Fiction Book Club podcast. Uh, this is Chris DiLoretto. I am calling because uh, I actually intended to call this line and leave a message after the uh, Christmas Carol episode. And after hearing my name randomly at the end of uh, you know Truman Capote, I figured, yeah, I, I, I had better actually do it. I wonder how long it will let me uh, leave a message for, honestly. I got, I got lots of stuff to talk about. Um, first of all... This is uh, and, and you know and, and actually you guys <laughs> might hate me because I'm I'm calling in with like corrections. I've got I've got I don't know two or <laughs> two or three corrections to throw in here. But corrections. Uh, great episode. Who the fuck does he think he is? Very uh, you know in cold blood. Very interesting. It's been a long time since I've discussed that book, and I say that because this was one of the many 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 books in high school that at some point in time I was supposed to read. I was there for the classroom discussions. If I did anything, it was spark notes. I wasn't that interested in it. Um, Same after listening bitch. to your podcast, I, I'm still not. I, I, I get the story. I feel like I don't really give a shit about yes! Bodie's <laughs> take on things. That he's never really seemed like a person whose opinion was very interesting, to be perfectly honest, um, despite his I reputation. Love Chris so um, much. You know, uh, like if I like if I want to listen to like a like a, a gay 
um, thinker from that era or something. I'm going to go with like a Gore Vidal or something like that. You know, it's very interesting thing to say. Anyway, Fuck not yeah, bashing dude. though. You, you had a very interesting discussion about it though, which I the fancy pants. Uh, first thing, I'm very excited. Um, as far I had not heard of Passion in the Christ two. This, this is a new one on me. Real excited about that. Although this, my, I got to issue my first correction because, and and Troy, you know, not to. Not to out-religious the religious guy, but oh, no. most of that shit about, like, the layers of, of hell and, and even Jesus going to hell is not anywhere in the Bible, including in Revelation. And I say this to someone who was really, really... Oh, I, I would love to have this conversation book, with him. Um, ...as a very young child. Uh, most of that is is uh, stuff that has come from... I'm getting uh, a Bible correction on our pod. ...since then, although I believe Are there is a couple throwaway lines schism? about descending into hell. Great debate. Um... But, um, also, I, I don't know. How, how deep should I put these, make these corrections? I don't know. Um, Revelation was less about tripping and more about political oh allegory. Oh, fucking God. Uh, and also, lastly. Oh, I um, agree with that. Yeah, it's political You know, uh, we, you guys talked about Jesus a little bit in the course of all of this. I just want to mention, yeah, I don't know. There's about oh, as much no. evidence on either side that Jesus was an actual person. I mean, like, you know, th there's not a lot of documentation of it. Um, of course, most of the uh, events in the Gospels are fake, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, a lot but of... He was our fake-ass minister. It cuts and out. There's it? a, there's a part oh, we got two. cut off. There's a part yeah. two. Yeah. Oh my god, I love this so much. Don't is it is it the same or does he call back? He in? calls back and leaves. That's right, awesome. I guess we found That's out awesome. pretty much exactly how long it'll let me talk. Like a couple minutes. <laughs> uh, also, I just got to chat with Alex because he picked up the phone uh, and was very confused as to why I was calling. But uh, anyway, the point I was trying to make is um, there's a great book called Zealot by Reza Aslan um, that, that gives you a great, great picture book. of like the political context of everything, like what sort of person Jesus slash whoever Jesus was based upon um, would have been like. Uh, very compelling, very interesting. Uh, very, very good book. Zealot. Uh, check that out. Um, and then uh, if we can pop back to Christmas Carol, which I was delighted to hear. I, I was really curious because I hadn't looked too deeply into that story um, since I was a child, and I was happy to hear that A, you know, all of the adaptations basically get it right. And B, it's still a decent story. You know, sometimes these things don't age well into adulthood. And uh, what a great uh, what a great tale. And it was lovely to hear you guys talk about it. Um, oh, yeah, just a couple corrections about acid, though. Um, and this is me just being really nitpicky because it's my subject, it you know. So oh, here we um, go. Bicycle Day, uh, April 19th, is actually not the day that Hoffman got his first dose. And actually, his first dose and the Bicycle Day dose were both relatively small. In fact, the first dose, which supposedly went through his skin, is is a We're matter of well historical debate. People wonder acid. if the story is apocryphal, if Hoffman made it up, is, because you shouldn't be able to ingest uh, acid through your skin. If you can get it through your skin, it would have to be an insanely, insanely high dose, and what he reported was only a couple of hours' worth of a trip. So very unusual story from Hoffman. People wonder if it's true. Um, there's a lot of conspiracies behind that, but who knows? Bicycle Day was a couple of days later. It was the first time he took LSD on purpose, and he went for a bike ride with his assistant. Uh, so that's a, that's a delightful story, and most people think that one is real. Um, the other thing just has to do with the whole, like, uh, tolerance, repeated dosage thing. Um, yep, if you take it a couple days in a row, it, it's less effective, slash you have to take, like, basically double your dose to kind of trip a couple days in a row. That's not to say it's not possible. It's just not really 
pleasant or interesting to do. Um, but that is not the same like as, the, as saying, um, I think someone suggested that it yeah, was no a kind of like a dosage cap. That is not true. You can go up and up and up and up and up. Uh, I mean, at some point, beyond some point, you sort of like cease to exist, kind of have a, a death type of experience. But that's like up, up towards like, you know, uh, half a gram. And, and remember that, you know, we, we typically take doses in like 100 millionths of a gram, you know, so, you know, micrograms. Um, so uh, just something to keep in mind, you, you can actually metric? take a whole lot. But, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll feel that for a couple weeks if you, if you go up that high. You'll be tripping the whole time. Uh, anyways. Weeks, holy shit. Great hearing you guys. Keep it up. <laughs> love the shit. Oh, we love you so much. We love you too, Chris. That's <laughs> a wonderful oh. voice. So that, that so, is our friend. Uh, our and dear, former dear interviewee friend. of the show, friend Chris DiLorado. Who's now my boss in a way. Yeah. What? Well, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, because I'm laying out the second issue of the Mananoc Underground Print Quarterly. Yeah. Okay, so wait. Real quick, though. I think we should go, like, this is our first. Chris popped our voicemail cherry. Real think, hard. With a six-minute voicemail. With, like, yeah. Amazing. I think we should go round and, like, everybody say what they think on it or something like that. Yeah, let's do that. I do not want to go first. Okay, I'll go first. So, uh, first of all, I think the best part of those voicemails was that he was issuing corrections and not about the book. So, not about the the bulk of the discussion, but about uh, a a take on the Bible, like Jesus's existence, and then uh, the circles of hell, and um, and then corrections on acid, which is kind of the exact thing I would expect from the Wizard of Monadnock. Um, for him to focus in on, uh, like this, this. What a duology, religion and acid. Yeah. I mean, that's like spot on for Chris, though. Yeah, and that's exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a conversation about the political symbolism in Revelations. It's fascinating. Hard pass. Yeah, I, th- I don't yeah. think anybody else would be interested, but. Uh, Major pass. I will definitely take that up. It's Troy, awesome. you and my dad should like go walk in the yard together because that shit he's always trying to talk to me about and I do not care. I will say though I would gladly it, like smoke a blunt with your dad and he would talk gladly about, smoke talk a about blunt. some religion. No, nah, he'd smoke it out of his wooden bowl. Yeah. That he keeps in his barn coat pocket. That's like the pipe pipe tobacco but for weed. Just Yep. But good we country could do time a, folk. We could do a a uh, a Bible like or biblical unit. I would do it. Yeah, what, bo- a- what book are we reading this week? The Bible. I'm down for a challenge. Yeah. Like, we haven't pushed ourselves late. Well, this is a nice break to just read fun novels. But Oh, you mean the thing that you do in your spare time for fun being fun? But I mean, I read other books. On but part of, of this is, but part of shit. doing this as a group, <laughs> the whole inspiration behind doing this in the first place was reading things that we wouldn't read on our own, you know? So Yeah. I mean, I've updated the list of books that I'm wanting to read of different genres, so... If we want to go for something like long and, I don't know, dreary, I'll definitely go to like Don Quixote or Ulysses. I'm up so, for a challenge too. So I think, I, I mean, so we're we're doing A Streetcar Named Desire today and we're doing Sutri next time. How long is Sutri? Like 400 pages? Yeah, four or 500. Yeah. So that'll be a big, you know, a big chunk, but I assume it's an enjoyable novel. That'll right? be a nice transition from real short to hefty. Yeah. I think it's a page turner, but- but then you we say do that about Faulkner. literally every book, though. So, but I they all have credibility is going down each what? time They've you all say been it. Page turners. <laughs> yeah, you're the Paula Abdul of yeah. this American Idol judging. <laughs> Were any of the books we've read this unit boring? No, no, I don't yes. think so. I think Flannery was the most boring. 
No. I mean, she's my favorite author. I'm not knocking Flannery. What was... Oh, you mean like not as much action or yeah, like yeah, yeah. intrigue? No, she's the best writer that we've read this section. Oh, yeah. I, I love her. She's my favorite author. I'm, But it was. it's not... It's less of a, ooh, intrigue, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we're reading Faulkner after Suchery, and that's going to close out Southern Gothic, and we're going to move on to something else. And we've thrown out doing like foreign sci-fi as an option, um, which I think would be a good one, but I'm also... I'm open... The conversations around biblical things makes me want to read the bible and then like <laughs> expositions yeah. on the bible the mormon reading the book of mormon would be fun too because you can yep. talk about the special underpants and all the friends you made yeah i mean i was mormon for two years and i actually have some background with that so that might be mm-hmm. interesting to do yeah be cool and it's exactly uh that. the book of mormon's not nearly as long and it's actually a significantly easier read than the bible yeah it's so. american although are we gonna have to do like the i'd be happy i'm more comfortable with the king's king james bible than other like the new version new america version or whatever like there's so many editions you're looking at me while saying this you're yeah, like well, proudly you're catholic. catholic yeah i'm i'm not i come from a catholic family but i know the least amount about well no no no, no. yeah no. but you should be you know what i mean you two i'm the only one who can spell the word moil you'd be but... fine with the king james troy oh yeah no, I'm fine I, king james. okay cool king james introduced like at least 400 words into the english language <laughs> see that's the other thing too is like I want to read the Bible again for the uh, literary influence, you know, because it's the so Bible and not because you're looking literature. for a father figure. No, yeah, Roger, <laughs> I'm not looking for daddy. that. Wasn't a dunk. That was like yeah, it's kind the, of a dunk. Well, you don't know. I feel dunked. My we, I, we could also read Shelby Foot. <gasps> Another oh, hell kind of Bible. Yeah. Oh, we should do a Civil yeah. War unit as well. Yeah, hell yes. And I still stand by. I would like to do a Japanese literature unit. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. We need to read Mishima. But he's a he's a fun guy. I mean, not he's not actually fun, but it's fun to read his books. Oh, I'm halfway through the Golden Pavilion right now, and it's the horniest book I've ever read in my entire life. Most of his books Until are pretty Troy horny. Until Troy gets so that, that Amazon something. money. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> We're coming for you. Spoiler. <laughs> Troy's gonna be writing smut. Yeah, he asked me to design his published smut, and I was like. What no. was the name we designed on, or we decided oh, on? Oh, um, timeless nut. Timeless nut publishing. <laughs> That we're gonna do together. It's or, classy no, erotic. Really called Century Nut. Century, century nut? sounds more like publishy. I like the timeless nut. Well, everyone likes a timeless nut, but Century Nut speaks to that feeling, and it's just like a better. No, but do you want a century long nut, or do you want a nut forever? You know, Millennium probably a nut. century long nut. The millennial nut. Millennial I got stuff nut, to do. Yeah. No, nut. no one wants a millennial nah. nut because it like doesn't nah, it work. Doesn't, and it doesn't it's ring. Still in your it doesn't ring house. right. Yeah. You don't want a millennial nut. I've had those. They're the worst. They're the worst nuts. You're yeah. married to a millennial. Yeah, that hurts, hon. Well. Well, what? I thought the voicemail you was You really don't cool. read the book. You no. demand to be on the podcast. Right. And then you talk about how you don't enjoy my nuts. My grassroots campaign. No, but I hope I hope that Chris's voicemail like sets the tone for people who call on the hotline to like at length correct us on subjects unrelated to the text because I think that rules. I think that's the way to go. Uh, I gotta say, I think Chris is the only person I'm gonna tolerate corrections from. Disagree. No, no, no. We'll play them on the pod. We'll also berate them. And slap them down. And we respect Chris. Yes. Yeah, and also Chris is like, he and I are kindred spirits. Also, he's right. Yes. Oh, for sure. I actually have no idea if he's right or not, but I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. If no, no, he's uh, he's right about revelations. I was just but about acid. Time. None of us know if he's right, but I think we all believe him. Yeah, which yeah. is enough for me. No, I trust he's, Chris. He's the wizard. He knows his shit. He's yeah. a wizard. You can only 
He really is. And also, we're still making fun of it, so... Make fun of what? The voicemail. Yeah. We're not going, wow, that was so awesome. Because it was funny. Yeah, it was really funny. It was good. It was great. It was a good first voicemail. Thank you, Chris. That was really good. Send in more voicemails. Yeah, please. All three of you. And if you, yeah, if you want to be degraded and put down, right, on the pod, live. Talked over. Talked over. Treated like I treat my closest friends. Yeah. First of all. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I encourage you Sexually (laughs) harassed. Sorry. Continually sexually harassed. It's not a joke. See? (laughs) See? (laughs) Dear listener. Staying on point. Yeah. I've been bringing a gun with me to the podcast. How big is it? (laughs) (laughs) and listeners please join the grassroots campaign to let me be on every episode the entirety of the episode and interject my opinions on books i have not read no please join the campaign to get her hooked on phonics so she can learn how to read (laughs) (laughs) nice dude that was a great roast call the hotline and tell us which side you're on yeah yeah chloe whose dainty fingers can't turn a page wait you just call them dainty though Oh my god, that was the nicest thing. Anyway, oh, so we're gonna is, keep we're gonna keep some jokes is, in the pod, but not others. We've already allowed you to be on the pod for the beginning. You know, thank you so much. Yeah, you should be grateful for that rather than trying to insist that you be part of the book discussion on a book you haven't read. You want to be in the book discussion? Read the book. Do you want? I'll send you the audio book of Sutri. Yeah, you could do that. I can read. That's not oh, clear. Can you though? Yeah, I don't know. Oh my fucking god! I'm evidence based, dude. Yeah. I don't have faith. You're not based at all. Ooh, shit. Shit. I want to say, I thought of, I mean, we've already been talking for a bit, but what was that guy that you, y'all follow? He was at Charlottesville, and he was kidnapping. Oh, he, Augustus Invictus. Shit. Actually, let's back it up and have a little Augustus talk. Yeah, yeah let's that's, do a little. See, I don't know much about him, so you guys got to yeah, fill Pocahontas me in. Pocahontas has enough airtime. So. This is the news story that people need to hear All right, about. well, yeah. Alex is yeah. Augustus's like, number one fan. Yeah, so I've let's seen the posters no, in your room. No, yeah. no. Yep. no. <laughs> he loves this guy. Uh, so, yeah, I guess this week Augustus Invictus got arrested for, well, let's back it up. Augustus Invictus is, uh, was a Republican candidate for president. He yeah, open a, with that. He's what? Well, I mean. What? Definitely what he's known uh-huh. for. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fascist. He's a lawyer. He slaughtered a goat and drank its blood. Sick. In a magic ritual or whatever. Damn. He's a pagan. Do you know um, if the magic worked? No, because he is in jail. For? Kidnapping and domestic violence. He kidnapped his wife, one of his two wives, I think. Or he's got, like, not obviously legal wives because we don't have bigamy in the United he's, States. Uh, but he's playing the field. Bigamy? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. yeah, bigamy is a thing, right? Yeah, bigamy Isn't is a thing. Is it called? Yeah. It, that's like an old. Why well, you learn? If you learn something new yeah, every day, because bi, so it's bi game. Or like trigamy. Yeah, yeah. Quatrimy. I guess I could just say like poly. Yeah. marriage or yeah. something. Polygamy. Polygamy yeah. would be the term. Right. Polyamorous is multiple relationships. Polygamy is multiple marriages. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So whatever. But uh, yeah. So at one point he was a libertarian. Uh, he was kicked out of the Florida Libertarian Party because he was. Getting like laying or laying um, too much pipe. No, because he was a fascist, oh. and also he <laughs> he he killed a goat, <laughs> and that was a big deal. Florida's and, a weird place. Why? I know, right? Why reject him for killing a goat? It's probably the fascism more than anything. But the, mm. so, like, the thing is, like, his some <laughs> his children are not all white. Like, his one of his uh, wives isn't white. So it's like this like complicated thing. But like, 
Well, fascism is not necessarily like white race. nationalist. Yeah, right. But he's kind of like leaned into the white nationalist thing. He was at uh, Charlottesville. Okay. Part of his platform. What, what race was, was the white? Was the wife that he kidnapped? What was her race? I didn't look into it that much. What? Uh, I think I was, noticed he was not posting on Insta lately, so I figured something was up. I like all of his him? posts. <laughs> <laughs> he has a really f- an, an amusing Instagram presence. It's mostly pictures of animals tearing other animals apart with being like me 2020 yeah can you do his voice please i like that energy oh yeah he he, he stopped doing it for a while he was doing this like old-timey radio voice or he'd be like the coming insurrection like no that... it was like it wasn't like augustus and victor oh he's doing that too yeah, yeah the like, southern thing he had these like weird youtube things where he would read like ted kaczynski or he's literally you dude no, he's not literally Well, me. there's some similarities. He has very bad acne. Um, clear skin. Yeah, you have beautiful skin. For Thanks. all the listeners. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I the can see you've been doing a lot of work on it. I'm very attractive. Augustus Invictus. He's very attractive. Busted. Yeah. Augustus Invictus is busted. No, you. Oh, thankfully. See how we lift each other up? Yeah. You and your dainty fingers, me. Oh, my God. That's the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But uh, it's really good because it's not Because real ones know that my fingers true. are, yeah. Because she has toes Enough. for- for thumbs, I do too. Not like I do, bro. No, no, it's like yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why are you nubbing? I got and I have like no knuckles. Yeah, I'm, I'm the hands of a fat baby. Yeah, nope. It's youthful. <laughs> yeah, so youthful. <laughs> so yeah, Augustus Victus arrested. Yeah, he... R.I.P. You fucking sucked, anyways. But Nick Fuentes got banned off of uh, of YouTube. Yeah, it looks like he got demonetized and for suspended what? from YouTube. Uh, being a fascist, being, being yeah, a for, bad for man, being a fascist. I know, but yeah. they got to give like a actual. They have to point to something specific when they do it. I they don't have, know if they, they do anymore. No, no? It's, it's a fe- no. it's offensive content. They don't have to, but like Damn. what they'll do is like it is. Uh, it violates, content, yeah, violates, it violates our standards. culture, community, yeah. community guidelines. Yeah. All of it is absolutely the most illiberal shit I've ever heard. Freedom of speech or no freedom at all. End of discussion. We can't. You can't have freedom of speech no. under capitalism. No, they are incompatible. The most repre, the most like abhorrent and disgusting people have just as much a right to say the shit that I can say and do. Well, so and the, do the normal counter argument as far as the internet's concerned is that these are privately owned or you know, which whatever. is correct, which is true, right? But like that doesn't mean it's the right solution. Well, I agree. My, my main point is saying yeah. that like that you know it the internet is essentially a public space at this point. Agree. Right? Functionally it is. Social media specifically yeah, exactly. should be utility. And I think that the the laws governing utilities should be applied to social media. I, I think that there should be freedom of speech protections on social media. Right. I agree. But these companies are legally in the right to ban whoever they want at the moment. Tulsi makes a good point of like, what if it was the opposite though? Did you say Tulsi? Yeah. Tulsi. Yeah. She is a soldier's heart. <laughs> Dude, she's right. And they're getting rat fucked. Her and Obviously, Bernie. CNN just went mask off on that one. You... Do you think Tulsi's hot? No, not really. I don't get why people no. say she is. I met her in person. She's not. Whoa, okay. She's... It's been decreed. Is it the way she smells? <laughs> no. Uh, am she... I hotter than Tulsi Gabbard? I guess, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Thanks. But, I mean, she's not uh, uh, ugly. But people are like, oh, her and Kamala Harris are the hottest. And it's like, no, they're... Well, the pickings are slim. Yeah, they are kind of slim. I, I, don't, I guess people talk about the attractiveness of political candidates is kind of corny. Well, yeah, it's like Obama mm, was hot. Amy Globachar, like, but no, he's I'm, not no, good. Pass. It'll work. Yeah, he's like an a decent looking guy. It's not like he. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's because the standards for politicians being attractive are pretty low. That like anybody who like hits a seven on the scale is like considered a very attractive yeah. person. 
But I want, I mean, I want a politician who looks like Bernie. Do you? No, I only want yes. dimes. Politicians are bad. But it, no, I want like a just a, a old weirdo who just cares about policies, who isn't a crook. I don't know. Yeah. I, I in, legitimately, a world, though, in a perfect world, though, I want dimes who are of a party of the working class. Oh, like uh, is it Finland's uh, yeah. social democrat yeah. prime minister? Yeah. yeah. She's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I want dimes. For a suck dem. Yeah. Or at least president. I think the president should be like America's hottest person. I don't think there should be dumbest presidents. guy. No, biggest? there shouldn't. I'm saying it should be there should be a swimsuit, talent. I've been pushing for this for years. It should be a pageant. It should be a Donald Trump Miss America pageant. Right. Yeah. I mean, point. that's better than what we do now. So much better. Which is where we just let CNN pick our president. I'm serious. I, I hope. Somehow, did you watch the debate? And then somehow the all of our parents are mad. I watched parts of it. I, I'm not kidding when I say that. If, if Sanders wins, I hope he instructs his attorney general to arrest the guy who owns CNN. Seriously. And I hope he faces... I hope he faces the charges for treason because that's what he's committed. Whatever those charges are, I hope he faces them. It's the Damn, fucking, dude. It's the fucking gallows. So, right? I mean, I saw that it was it like, is. I saw yeah. that the whole, uh, you know, I only saw clips, but that the the questions were rather charged and like completely cut out to make Sanders look bad based on this whole Warren controversy. Was it worse than that? Yeah, or? did you they hear what happened afterwards? Uh, no. So, CNN leaked and i'm saying leaked in air quotes the audio of uh warren and sanders talking after i don't know if you you guys didn't hear this nope no it made me sick obviously it was completely orchestrated you know it was like apparently orchestrated yeah. they were mic'd yeah so um it, warren goes up to sanders right after the debate and goes i believe you called me a liar on national television and he just gets all like flustered and is like whoa i don't want to do this here you know it was like yeah, basically begins to say you called me a liar you are a liar I is mean, what he's beginning to she say. She is, though. She's obviously a liar. She's a snake. She's been a liar. She was stealing. She, she lied about all kinds of stuff. She lied about her race to steal jobs from people of color. I mean, this person is just wicked. Right. But um, <laughs> I don't she, know why that sentence was so funny to me. She's demonic. But, okay. So he starts, but then he catches himself and is like, let's not do this here, which is such a smart move. And yeah, you're uh, on television. Kind of, that line alone makes it sound like they're going to kiss. But then, which the would be gross. Best part about this whole thing is that Tom Steyer is standing between them for some reason, and he's just like trying to like break it up. And then Warren storms off, and then Steyer just goes, uh, "I just want to say hi, Bernie." And Bernie goes, "Yeah, good," and just storms <laughs> off the stage. That's awesome. It's just like such an authentic moment. It, it made me laugh. Have you seen how uh, the Elizabeth Warren like supporters have um, captured the "Believe Women" hashtag on Twitter? I've never met oh, an Elizabeth no. Warren supporter. Yeah, so it's because I've met many. Really? also the "Believe Women" hashtag thing. It's fucking patronizing. Oh yeah. Not every bitch should be believed just because we're fucking just because we have a like a fucking Women pussy can lie between too. our legs. Bitches lie. And we do. They do. We yeah. learn how to lie from a young age because we don't play with yeah. Legos. We play with Barbies and get real good at it. It's right. it's nuts. It's we crazy. both get raped and lie about all kinds of shit. Anyway, this is a podcast about books. I'm yeah, out. We've been going for forty minutes. I, this it's is good been, content. Uh, it's been a pretty this good, has been yeah, really good content. Been a pretty content. good flow. Uh, keep in mind, uh, uh, we're looking twenty five percent of that was just Chris's voicemail. That's good, though. That's fine. That's good. Well, no, with six minutes, that's not twenty five percent out of thirty seven. But then our commentary on the yeah, that's one sixth. All right, fucking math, bitch. What yeah. the fuck? Got shut, him. Shut up and talk about the. I'm book. a fucking computer scientist. Suck my dick. Um, I. So we're back, uh, and we're going to talk about a streetcar named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, like I really, really enjoyed this play quite a bit. Um, 
and more so than I expected because I've seen the uh, I've seen the movie before with Marlon Brando. Um, but the reading reading the play as you know with all of the like the little exposition, but also you know it being focused on the dialogue, I had a different feeling about the characters than I did um, watching the movie. So, for instance, in the movie, um, you know Marlon Brando is I mean he's dis- like um, Stanley's described as attractive by Tennessee Williams, but like Stanley's aggression is kind of a little bit mitigated by the fact that Marlon Brando is so handsome. Um, and then likewise with Vivian Leigh, uh, she plays Blanche in the movie and she's like a, like Vivian Leigh plays the bitch, like all in all of her movies, like in Gone with the Wind, um, she plays a uh, Scarlet who is, you know, a complicated character, but a bitch. And, um, <laughs> so, so she comes off as less sympathetic, but if you just read the words, right, like Blanche is annoying, very annoying, but also like, like. How can you not feel desperate for her in her situation? Because her annoyingness is coming from a position of extreme fragility and like self-consciousness. Yeah, you guys mentioned it earlier when we were texting, but the amount of times when it's like stage notes for the actor, how often it says she's frightened, she laughed frighteningly, yeah. she's nervous. Yeah, 100%. And I agree that it is different than the movie where she is much more timid or she's... Yeah, in the book, she's frightened like the whole time. She's annoying, but she's doing it because it's. I almost like feel that she's expecting to get yelled at or hit or something because she's like always shrinking yeah. away. She's laughing it off, but shrinking away always. Mm. So I I haven't seen the movie probably in at least ten years, but I saw the play I think two summers ago, the, the Gillian Anderson playing um, Blanche, and that was a very confident Blanche. Really? Okay. I mean, probably on par with the uh, the movie. Okay. So it's it's kind of surprising to me because she was. I mean, it, I don't. It'd be hard to imagine uh, Gillian Anderson playing a uh, meek and mild uh, character, someone as timid as Blanche is in, in the play. But I'm kind of surprised, like reading it, to see just how how so how how far she is in that respect. I think that Stanley's character and Stella's characters are exactly what I'd expect. I feel I do feel like Stanley is a bit more brutish in the book than he is with Marlon Brando. Like Marlon Brando yeah. has kind of a suaveness to him, which it does say like multiple times that he just has like a cool man's man feel about him. But he's never suave. He's just like downright. I'm gonna beat this woman and then like apologize and fuck her. Like I don't know. I think I don't get the suaveness. I think that probably one of the most interesting things about this book is. Is Tennessee Williams this play play uh-huh. deserve that uh, utilization of like masculinity and the way he treats masculinity and deals with masculinity and the sense that uh, there are essentially two male characters in the whole book. It's uh, Mitch, Mitch, yep, and Stanley. and Stanley, and like Stanley is the pin- he's the pinnacle of masculinity of of like animal ma- masculinity and that he's almost entirely phys- a physical being. Yes. He doesn't exist in the emotional world very much. He's got some Aside primal being, emotions. But he does, though. Well, that's the interesting thing is, is like him crying uh, in the yeah. shower after. Stella! Yeah. You know, right? But the majority of his existence is in like the physical world, in that he's a strong character who likes to drink and fuck and eat and Essential. fight. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. It that's mentions it. that he's sensual multiple times. Yeah, yeah, and he, it, but it's that sensuality that like that's where the emotional part of him comes in. It's not. It's raw emotion. It's not like mediated or thought through. He's just you know he he loves Stella, right? And he doesn't have to explain why, you know. And he can hit her and still love her. I think that that aspect is the most interesting part of the book. Can you expand on that? No. I thought that <laughs> I definitely think that that's interesting. I also think it's interesting the like male dynamics like you had mentioned Alex, especially because the poker nights are always there's two and they're definitely like set up just for the dynamic between him, Mitch, and then there's two other guys but they're not really important. They're just kind of there, but Stanley's definitely like the alpha of the group. He yells at all of them. He wins poker both times. Um it's his house, and he just, like, they throw uh, watermelon peels on the ground. They break beer bottles and just leave them there. It's it's really, I don't know, it's interesting. It's over the top. Like, it's 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 more than what would, uh, what, what is the word? Hyperbole? Hyperbole. It, it's comic. Yes. yes. It's, comic. it's comic. Sorry. I do feel like there's a lot of stuff in this, though, just because... I don't know. This is just like such a quintessential stage production where everything is over the top. Like Blanche's character is over the top completely. I understand why people overplay her as being too confident, though, just because she puts off the aura of, um, I don't know, not confidence, but she's a compulsive liar. So she like she weaves yarns the whole time. She's theatrical in everything that she does herself. Yeah. Right. But that's what makes her a hard character to act because, you know, you can go with the confidence part, but like throughout the whole play, she is fragile. Yes. What is she doing? She's sneaking around to find liquor to calm her nerves. You know, everything she does. I mean, if you were to act her character, she's acting, you'd be acting an actress. You know, and that's like a hard thing. That's a hard note to hit. Um, you, you know, I've only seen the play once, but I don't. I, I like Gillian Anderson, but I don't think she hit that. Right. I mean, it's hard to do. You know. Yeah. I feel like it's difficult for. Well, sometimes she is confident when she's lying, just because like if she wants something, she will go after it. But then also, it's. I feel like she kind of has PTSD because her husband blew his brains out in front of her. Or he and it like, was her he, fault. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's definitely her fault. Was her fault? She called no. him a degenerate because he was gay. Yeah. She caught him having sex with his friend and then she... I don't hey, think not, that means it's her fault. I think she blames herself. Oh, yeah. I mean, she totally oh, right. blames yeah, herself. Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. I'm, <laughs> I don't think I'm it's not her fault a judgment yeah. of this fictional character. You yeah. personally <laughs> are saying this. But no, yeah. I, I think she blames herself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. That would throw me for... a loop right? how could she not yeah she loved him yeah she loved him she finds him in bed with another man and then is like reacts poorly to it and he fucking blows his brains out sounds like a him problem yeah am i right fellas <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a personal problem <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that's insanely traumatic and then going broke obviously probably through poor choices of her own but like well i mean kind of but also her whole family abandoned her and she even mentioned beforehand that all of the men in the family just like took mortgages out on the property so that they could fuck and drink which is you know this is something about the story i think another strong theme in addition to like the um i mean especially for the time like this very like erotic undertone of the whole play but like 
the theme of the the fallen southern aristocrat, right? Like especially aristocratic woman. Um I mean, I feel so bad for Stella and Blanche, right? Like they don't have options. No, in the, in that period of time to be a woman of their status is terrible. Right, cuz they've lost all of the be a woman the, in general. Yeah, t- totally. Yeah. Sure, but I mean like there is something there is something um touching or like tender about a you know a woman of 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 status you know who loses it all and then well what does she do right because you can say you can say like a working class woman you know or somebody who's grown up in that environment knows how to navigate it right they know how to be there whereas they're not acclimated to this at all right like stella find stanley and stanley is you know strong and protective and she has to put up with his abusiveness but like he whatever for all of his faults if we want to call it that uh is willing to take care of her you know but we're blanche right she's not willing to give up the you know her manners i guess in this way um and i guess she kind of is because she wants to marry mitch but like that's more of like a point of desperation for her and it just, I feel so bad for both of them. Yeah. I feel, but, sorry, go ahead. Mitch is a much more sensitive man. I think he's the yeah. foil to Stanley. For sure, yeah. Um, because he takes, he cares for his mother. He cries. He's Why a does total he cry? cuck on the date. He's like, yeah. how old are you? Let me pick you up. You think Let me tell you how much weight, how much I that, weigh. Is that cucked? I don't know. No, that's totally an alpha move. I kind of think that's badass. He's bragging about how strong he is. Yeah. He's bragging about lifting weights. Right. No, but then he gets bashful about it, and he's like, mm, kind of fat. Mm, which is mm. well, which is why it's an like interesting contrast to Stanley, who's just like jacked. He's the guy who's like, I don't go to the gym. I don't lift, but he still has a six-pack. Very annoying. He's bowling yeah. all if the I time. If I met Stanley on yeah. the street, I'd shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> the Chad Stanley versus the Virgin Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you, Virgin uh, Sam's got a gun though, <laughs> America baby. I would just like to say that we all are armed. Yeah, we are armed. We're doing so. this podcast. We've got don't, our guns. Don't you think that you can just show up to our apartments and like have free reign of us? We are patriots, yes. and we have guns. Hollow points. Hol- <laughs> fucking in the clip. Ready to rock. You we know what I'm saying? Landmines in our yard. I got a claymore set up on my front door. Yeah, just in bitch. case the alphabet alphabet boys come through. You know, ready yeah. for the boogaloo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can we give a, a little shout out to all our boys in Virginia right now? Yeah, thank we're, you. We're we're feeling it. I, I heard that. Um, I, this is tangent, and we can come back to the book. But the uh, anti some of the antifa groups are going to march with the conservatives on the gun law stuff. That. Is a surprise to me that bl- it blows my mind. Or at least, at least one is. I know. Was well, it John Brown Gun Club? Um, no, but it's like an actual anti-fog like group of people. So um, this will be the only time I think I ever applaud Antifa. Yeah, that's actually good. You yeah. know, what, man, I'm very pro big tent, and I love when diverse groups come together for me a good too. cause. Me too. Having said that, Antifa is probably the most pathetic group of people on the face of the earth. That's <laughs> true. Fuck you. This is like a you know long-standing guilt from being an anarchist coming from Alex. So yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, okay, got yeah. me. First DSA meeting I ever went to, I defended Antifa to, uh, to Paul Goodspeed when he was de- de- deriding them. Anywho, go ahead. I wanted to compare uh, tea cake with Stanley. Okay, and their me. domestic violence. Yeah, 
that's a good comparison. That's really yeah. interesting because I wanted to compare um, Stanley with uh, what's the other husband? His name was it Joe, right? Wasn't it Joe? What other husband? The other husband of uh, the one of... from North. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. when she owns Jody. the shop. Jody, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I thought right. about tea cake too. I did think about tea cake, but I was like, mm, I think that like she's kind of kept, so it's more of when she was in the shop. But I can see it both. Like I wanted to compare him to both guys. I think that he's more of a tea cake figure because he is passionate, a man. I mean, and they love the, each other. At the end of the day, Jody is a is a financial supporter, but he's not a man. And I mean, obviously, yeah. he is literally outed and mocked as impotent by his wife. I mean, he was, you know, and I don't mean man in terms of he was male. Like, I mean, like, in the right. weird right. social whatever of being a man. It, But yeah, I, 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 I like, I like the TK yeah, comparison yeah, yeah. a lot. I think that like the passion of the relationship between Stanley and Stella matches well with T cake. And, um, what was the, what was Stanley? No. Um, <laughs> no, I know I'm saying, uh, not not TK and Stella. TK and Stanley, and then Stella and what was the um, protagonist names in their eyes were watching God. Janie. Yeah. Yeah. So Stella and Janie, I think those match up quite well. Um, and I think that Jody's character, like, you know, if Stanley was Stanley's not a go getter. Like Stanley, Stanley is middle management. You know, he likes oppressing his dumber friends. No, dude, Stanley is he? He's dirt, and he says he's dirt. He's just the alpha. Right. He's the alpha grunt. I, I feel right. no. I see Stanley as like a military guy. Like if we're gonna like like make the the Stanley archetype like modern day, he's a military guy who's like a mechanic or a tradesman who makes one hundred ten thousand dollars a year. Doesn't think about anything. You know what I mean? Like he's right. I mean the guy who you you want to be. I'm sorry. I will. I want to be. I would rather be that guy than who I am. Really? Maybe. I don't know. I don't. Why? I, I would not. To be I, a tradesman who makes a no, ton of money and is an alpha? I'd prefer to not be a trade. I'd prefer to just make a ton of money but not be a tradesman. But no, those people I find very annoying because they are, I mean, even though there, you know, is like a clear charisma aspect to them, it's, you know, it's all, it's so raw, right? Like, they can't control themselves. They're, they can be funny. They can be um, impressive, right? But at the end of the day, they have no self-control. But isn't a little bit of violence in your life something that we want? What you just want to hit around a woman? Is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah, I no, saying, this, no, I mean, no. taking a weird turn. No, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in, in. I don't mean it in that sense. I mean like, like instability. You know what I mean? Like a little chaos. You mean chaos, emotional instability? I did not mean. <laughs> for the listener, I did not mean violence towards your romantic partner. I mean like instability and chaos, like a a turbulent vi- Right, but you can have a turbulent. You can have a turbulent life and not behave that way. But I see it in like, I don't know, tea cake is rarely violent, but when he is, it's almost for social reasons. Whereas Stanley mm. does it just because he blows up. Like, and I don't know, I feel like tea cake's relationship was much healthier than Stanley's is. He doesn't really show that much love to Stella. He just fucks her. Well, I would say that, okay, so Stanley is tea cakes on rabies. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Agreed. Also, the word I meant to use was volatility. Ah, Sorry. okay. That's where the confusion's coming in. He's a volatile character. Yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. I mean, I don't know. Stanley doesn't seem unstable though. Like he's got friends. He goes bowling. He has a job. He's just 
a super impulsive, violent person. What does he do for a living? He um, he's really... like a salesman. He travels. Yeah, yeah he's, you're right. No, it's no, no. He's he works at a factory. He says that no, he, he and sells for the factory. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. So Mitch works at the factory amongst okay. the other grunts, but Stanley has like a next level job. I thought that it, they worked at the same factory and that he was just lying basically to get away from his wife. I mean, that might be true. I didn't pick up on that though. I didn't pick up on that either. I but, mean, huh? I don't know. There's a lot of like read between the lines. It could be this, could be that in this play. And I actually love that about the play that so much is left unsaid. Um, and so very often they like are about to reveal something big and then it's like, Oh no, the other character walks in. That's like, so stage drama. I love it. This is like the quintessential stage production. It, it, I mean, it, it really is so good. It's, it's one of the best things I've read in years. I just really loved reading I, I, it. I loved it too. And that's another thing that like, um, so it's not that you can't have excellent books with multiple settings, but if if there is just one setting for a story, there's something very special if it gets pulled off right. So, like, if you think of, you know, um, A Streetcar Named Desire, or, like, if you guys have ever watched uh, 12 Angry Men, where it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a... Great movie. Yeah, it's a, a jury trial of a murder, and it just takes place in one room with 12 jurors trying to figure out what happened. Um, those are really, really powerful when they're pulled off and like feel special because there is uh, such a minimal ability to do anything except for with the people involved. And I think uh, Tennessee Williams really, like he hits it right, you know, and he can introduce other settings, right? He can introduce the carnival, right, that Mitch and uh, Blanche go to. He can introduce the bowling alley, right? You even get a sense of New Orleans from the music that's being played. And that's just such, just a perfect, like, you know, chef kiss kind of touch that makes the whole world come alive without you ever leaving the apartment. I think it has less to do with the single single location, although that definitely helps just because it forces you to be in the characters' heads more versus them, like, milling about their world. But I think it has more to do with there's multiple story or like little plot lines going on of you're learning more about each character piece by piece and then they're interwoven. So you learn a little bit more about Stella and you learn a little bit more about um, Blanche and a little more about Stanley. And then you also realize that people are lying. So it's like, oh, what I thought earlier wasn't true. And that like rehooks you into it. And I think that overlapping interest in the characters where you're learning piece about piece of them and then also you're questioning what happened earlier keeps you hooked in it i don't think that's necessarily because it's only one setting but that definitely helps because it forces you into their head yeah and it allows you to see their motives rather than be like captivated by the the events that are occurring right because it is this very straightforwardly interpersonal story um I did want to talk about uh, the end where Blanche gets committed to a mental institution and also gets raped by Stanley. Um, what, you know, like that was the climax of the story. Um, how I had a really hard time digesting that uh, besides it being like very tragic and unfair, uh, especially the fact that that Stella didn't doesn't leave doesn't, well doesn't leave but also doesn't believe blanche to the point where 
she is in favor of the uh, mental institution. Stella chooses not to believe Blanche. She kind of has to. But I'm saying she chooses. She chooses to. It's not that she doesn't. But I think that's an important distinction. It's not that she hears what Blanche says and is like, oh, she's lying. She chooses to believe. She even says that she chooses to believe Stanley or not believe Blanche because it's too painful to believe that Stella, uh, Blanche is telling the truth. And what's she going to do? Divorce him with a newborn? Like, it'd be nearly impossible. So it's, it's honestly, it's another tragedy that she has no other option. She has to choose between committing her sister, who is extremely mentally ill and probably would benefit from being. Not those kinds of mental institutions. Yeah, that's a good point. But um, New Orleans in the whatever interwar period. Uh, although I was actually surprised, like what at the this, very 1950? end, in the 50s, yeah, is it's it, after it, World War II. It's post, it's post War because he talks because okay. he talks about uh, being in Italy. Oh right, yeah, he's at a point. battlefield in Salerno. Um, but yeah, the doctor at the end, I was actually surprised. He's very gentle and like modern yeah, about he's, it. He's he, kind to her. He's like, "Do not use a straitjacket. We don't need that. You don't have to sedate her." He l- takes her hand and he walks her out of the room. Although it made me so uncomfortable, like more. Even more than her getting committed, that there were people in the other room playing poker. Like that, just oh god. Yeah, something about that. And her having shivers. Her having to walk past them. That's like the most like, stomach stomach turning moment or whatever. You know, her having to walk past Mitch, including Mitch. I mean, I don't know, guys. Like, I found the stomach turning moment to be the whole scene with Blanche and Stanley. Oh when, right, yeah. I, know. When I mean, Stella's both in the okay, other yeah. room recovering. From no, she's at the hospital. Wait, she's. I thought. She, oh no, right, she's not there. Which is why right. he does it. He gets his special right. silky Sil- rape and pajamas on. Yeah, right. that is a disgusting scene. And it's just like you can see, you know, the whole all of Blanche's energy just drain out of her, right, as she realizes that she's about to be dominated by Stanley, and she's going to be the focus of his, um, you know, raw masculine energy. Yeah. Um. That was, you know, and and especially like there's something very um, disturbing about when somebody picks up a lethal weapon and can't use it, right? So when Blanche breaks the bottle and goes to attack Stanley and he just grabs her wrist, you know? Yeah. That was a very like, I don't know, that shit like sent shivers down my spine. Well, I think it's a pretty universal recurring nightmare of uh, when you're trying to punch and it's like you're punching through molasses, uh, yeah, I have that nightmare. Yeah, I think almost everyone has it at it, one it's point why or I another. Lift. Yeah, but I mean, it's <laughs> hashtag why I lift. It's one of your. It's a, it's one of the most foundational fears that somebody can have is that they are physically unable to defend themselves. They have the means to, but they still cannot. Right. Something about that is uh, terrifying on an animal level. Right, and I, but I think with uh, with Blanche, you know, being a woman, right, like. It's you lack the means either, right? So, like, my fear is not when I would have that that kind of dream, right? It was less of it was like all of a sudden I didn't have the means that I thought I did to defend myself, right? Yeah. Whereas like Blanche, just she didn't have them to start with. She had no ability to def- defend herself from Stanley. She didn't know how to wield a weapon or have the physical strength to fight him off or even hurt him, you know. She just collapsed on the floor and was carried into the bedroom to be raped. I also think it's interesting. Earlier on, uh, Mitch tries to basically assault her too, but he fails. She stops him, 
when he comes in, Stanley's gone because they've both gone out with the upstairs neighbor to like a theater or the play or something. They're out of te- they're out of the apartment. Um, he comes over, and then that's when they first like confront each other after they find out that she's basically been living in the hotel and sleeping with a bunch of strangers to get past her trauma. And no, she's been a, a prostitute. Yeah. Oh, was she straight prostitute? All right. Yeah, that's that's how she got by. That was the point. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like okay. I thought she was just having. I mean, she was trying to find suitors by being a prostitute, but that's like a gray area, you know. I thought she was just. She's trying to pay for about. I didn't realize she's trying to pay for Reeve. Right, right, right. She's trying to save the plantation. I thought she had already lost it at that point, and then she was just trying to basically gold dig. No, she's turning tricks at the motel. Okay, okay. I I didn't pick up on that point. It's pretty non like it's not exact like it, you that's how I read into it as well but I had to read into it to do that. But also this is 1949. Yeah. Like this mm. th- I mean I mean like this was a blue play or like a vulgar play. Oh yeah, this is super vulgar for the Th- time. this was like like he like Tennessee Williams was considered like a smart artist. Smart or like There's ex- hope for you. Tr- yeah, extremely baby. this is extremely edgy. Like this is right. Well, yeah, everybody freaked out about. Um, this is the vor of the day. At the very end, like, <laughs> frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And everybody's like, "Oh my god, he cussed." Whereas this is like he's beating his wife and drinking and raping people. Like this is so much more yeah. vulgar. I mean, sex is central to this. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And that, like, it the entire book is about sex. It's in, it's a, in very, a sense, yeah. It's v- very it's a very sexy play, but it's also like. You know, it makes you f- obviously feel very uncomfortable about it, right? Like, there's so much sexual tension in the whole thing, right? Like, even the way Blanche describes Stanley, right? Like, it's very clear that Blanche finds him attractive, right? But, like, in all of the wrong ways. You know, he's not a gentleman, but he has the, that raw masculine energy that is, um, you know, overpowering. And uh, Blanche's kind of- first husband was gay. No, I know that. I'm saying that Blanche even acknowledges that Stanley, at least I got that sense that Blanche acknowledged that Stanley was attractive. She just thought that he was the wrong choice. I only got that in one scene. So right right before she witnesses Stanley beat Stella when she has to run upstairs, um, she like basically spritzes perfume and she tries to flirt with him a little bit. She has the scarf that she like throws around men's necks multiple times and... That's like the only time. After that, she's just basically tormented by him. But yeah, I think you're right. She's just like so used to using her wiles that she does it on him because he is attractive. But then later on, she's like, nope, I can't do it. Like when she's bathing, she's just being basically aloof. She's not trying to lure him in or anything. No, My point was more so when she goes and criticizes Stella, right? She doesn't criticize her because he's like ugly or you know like a oaf right she criticizes him because he's he's of a lesser class right yeah she gets why right she understands why like she's like you know that guy's the guy that you banged three times right and then you go find a real husband right like he's not someone you you shack up with she's appalled at the conditions they live in right that is the immediate reaction that's her immediate reaction before she even meets him is that she's appalled that they live there and like her saying that she's appalled that they live there is about Stanley because at this point in time, like he's not providing. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like Stella pro- could be in the workforce. That was 
legal at the time. Yeah. But it was, especially for someone like Blanche, it's not expected or common, and she wouldn't expect her sister to work. No. But I mean... God, why should a woman work? Truly. I'm Honestly. Fi- I'm, I'm not even joking. Why should a woman work? You want men to work? Yeah. Think of how many job openings there would be. It's true. Just, me and, Jordan Pe- just me and Jordan Peterson yeah. spitting truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, maintaining the home is work. Yeah, I mean, if you have a home to maintain, right? We all do. Unless you're homeless. Well, I mean, so maintaining Fuck. a home with children is different than maintaining a home. There's enough to do. I don't think there is. I think there is. No, I really don't think there is. Meal prep. Right. You know what? Eight hours a yeah. day of meal prep. I mean, who cares? I don't know. I Yeah. I wouldn't give a shit. No, I just, you know, the dink life is a good one. The double income, no kids. Well, that's the thing is that that's what we, I mean, that's, that's what we have to do because. No, it, you don't have s- to do it. Somebody has destroyed our futures and destroyed our countries. Right. All right. Wrap up time. Alex, what did you think about the book? It was a play. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the episode, folks. I, I enjoyed the play. I think that we got to have a we're gonna have a pe- a part two. Part two will be when we watch the movie. And for if anyone knows where we can get cocaine, yeah, let's know. <laughs> we're, we we want to watch the movie, but we don't have any cocaine, and that we like want to do blow. We can't, and Sam's we can't do it together. Like you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How else am I going to get into and understand Stanley's character? Right. Yeah, the game has have... no upper. So if you want to leave us a line and tell us where to get that. Leave us here. a line, sell us a line, whatever. <laughs> I forgot how to use a mic. It's because I have so much pad thai oil on yeah, my lips. True. It's because she doesn't have any cocaine. <laughs> right. Honestly, that's if probably If she had it. cocaine, she'd be better. Okay. Look, it's been two weeks since I've smoked a cigarette. Do you want to smoke a cigarette tonight? No. No, don't pressure him. Don't be the He's devil. Sam, like Sam, do you when this is over? Me and you? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It's a little cold out, though. Oh no interest. God. I'm feeling pretty good with the vape. Sam. We're trying to close out this podcast. We're trying to close out this podcast. So, all right. So, we're going to do a summary. What did you think of the play, Alex? Was it good? Did you like it? I liked it a lot. Give me a rating. One out of ten. Oh, I would never. You would never? I can't do that. I think it's Give vulgar. me of stars. It's, Four it's out of too five? subjective. No, it's vulgar. I think it's vulgar. I don't like that Goodreads makes me put in stars. I think it's I'm vulgar. not asking for your meta opinion about rating books. I'm asking you for what you thought about the book. Was it good? Was it very good? Was it excellent? It was the best play I've ever read in my life. Okay. That's Guess a good what? take. Third play I've ever read in my life. So it's one out <laughs> of three, so, baby. so is it better than Shakespeare then? It's better than Shakespeare. Cool. Okay. Interesting. In my... We'll get, it's better we'll, than some we'll, we'll Shakespeare. We'll get that later. Sure, I'm going to read The sure. Glass Menagerie right, next. Troy. Glass Menagerie is great. Glass Menagerie is very you, good. So you've read that? Yeah, I've read Glass Menagerie. That's him. Same man. I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah, same guy. Same guy. You're just being loud, Stanley. All right. You know what? We're just going to end it. We're going to end it. Yeah, this is a nightmare. All right. Bye, Kill it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Literal Fiction Book Club. Uh, next week, we'll be reading Suchery by Cormac McCarthy, and um, probably one section of that, although that's not clear, it'll be in the show notes, and you'll be able to handle it from there. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, as our friend Christy Loretto did, you can leave it on the Book Nerd hotline at 1-978-255-3404. That's 1-978-255-3404. We hope to hear from you. Have a great night. See you guys. Night, everyone.